Good evening, beautiful people. Wow, my screen is bright. Oh, well. Oh, look at that. And we're ready to look at that. We're ready to roll right now. Wasting no time at all. The timeless. Look at that background. Right on point. Hey, hey, how you doing? You know, I like to be on time. I like to be courteous. And I like to show up with the greatest gab of all. That is the great. You are officially the greatest guest we have ever had. Look at that. Ba- I'm waiting for me and Gene to come out. You know, I've been trying to uh, get a gift or something to where like a mean Gene would walk out with a stick or something. But oh, my God. I'm, I'm not that advanced yet. That That is great, man. I appreciate that. That, oh, that means a lot. How you doing tonight? Doing okay. It's nice to uh, it's nice to formally meet now. You know, over the interwebs, doing the fine stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I used to. Uh, I just let Vanessa handle all the all the bookings now because when we used to both do it, we double booked way too much, <laughs> and they never okay. uh, never worked out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, shout out to Pollo Del Mar for hooking me oh, up with y'all, and yeah, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get out and chat wrestling. Now, now you're. Um, you're up in where? Northern California? Where, where are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Richmond, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Okay, cool. Um, how do you know Pollo Del Mar? Uh, just through wrestling, just through actually. Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, there's some sh- some local shows that were happening in San Francisco that Pollo would help out with, and I got booked on one that was at like a, it was like a, it was in San Francisco. It was like a bear club, I guess. You okay. know. Yeah, and uh, and so Poyo had a nice hand in booking a lot of the shows over there and stuff, and yeah, their uh, their lust for wrestling and the the old school stuff is really what kind of got us together and started chatting because they had all this mid south knowledge, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> where, where where'd this come from, you know? Um, yeah, and you for people who have never seen you, and I'll be honest, I didn't see, I didn't know anything about you, nothing. And I've learned a lot. I'm going to learn a lot more tonight. Watch some of your matches. You do have that old school feel almost like, and I think it has a lot to do with the black glove you're wearing now. Mm-hmm. Um, You give me that Barry, Barry Windham vibe from back in the day. Um, You know, older the rest of, not age wise, but older as in genre, I guess. Is definitely, what, definitely. What I'm trying to and say. And that's, that's what tickles me, you know. I'm, I'm a pretty young guy. I'm only 30 years old. Yeah. But um, this, the wrestling history is what trapped me when I was younger. And, you know, the stuff, the further back I went, the more it, ex- it excited me and stuff. So late 70s, early 80s is really the most prime era for me. And that's the, the style that I really try to emulate, which isn't really around much anymore you know no, it's uh it's a lost art and art is definitely uh what it is uh that is interesting so you're 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 younger you're 30 you're younger than me so mm-hmm. i go back to like i mean i literally i i'm i was born in 79 so i grew up with all of it late 80s early yep. 90s you know uh, and where where are you at i'm in uh i'm in uh new york upstate new okay. york and so uh, the, yeah, great, the great territory of New York, <laughs> the great territory. But I can remember, uh, like, I can vividly remember going down to my video store, which we don't have; they, they don't exist anymore. But right. I remember going down and r- renting those Coliseum videos. And I, I want to say WrestleMania three was the first one, but it could have been something else. But I can vividly. Remember grabbing the cassette and watching mm-hmm. it. Now you, that's what got you hooked. But then you kept, you kept going back. But how do you go back and watch things further uh, back then? Because there was no YouTube. There was nothing. Yeah. So how and that was you... just starting to kind of come up when I was yeah, a, yeah. an early teenager, you know. So I had a little bit and there was some stuff kind of being uploaded, you know. Um, same thing for me, though. Uh, I feel like my generation was the last of the uh, – tape rental generation even yeah, like tape sure. trading was already kind of over at that point you know yeah the internet was starting to get big and um so i would go get coliseum videos and stuff like that too and specifically i remember wrestlemania 18 okay being like the final vhs that the the uh the tape store like di- they didn't 
get that one. You know, they get yeah. every one up until then. And that was the one that stopped it. And I was like, okay, well, how <laughs> do I want this now, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I want to see all this other stuff. I'm learning about um, NWA and ECW, you know, and all this, all these cool things. Uh, so I kind of like was starting to, you know, uh, scour the internet more for st- whatever, you know, uh, different tapes that I can go. There's a Japanese video store in town wow. that I learned about that I would go get like, you know, B cut um, new Japan and all Japan shows and stuff like that. So at the cusp of it, it really was actually the WWE network or actually the, the early yeah, one, the early stage, the on demand, you know, right. 24. So you're going back in time. You're talking mid South. You're going NBA or NBA. Sorry. I'm watching NBA. Huh. <laughs> I'm at NWA. Um, what wrestlers were you, uh, drawn to who inspired you? Who influenced you? Well, at first, you know, it would be, you know, Macho Man and Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, all these really early 90s WWF guys. And then as I slowly kind of got, you know, more old school, Ric Flair, the Four Horsemen, um, Terry Funk really caught my eye, man. And uh, just like, you know, I would see stuff from later years in the Attitude Era and kind of his ECW run. But then as like the further back you go, you see that he kind of was like this clean cut nwa yep. champion him and, Flair, and then yeah yeah it just kind of took the, the wave the wavelength essentially and you know being that san francisco is such a hotbed back in the day with uh ray stevens and pat patterson uh you know i took a real liking to whatever i could find of ray stevens because it's very bare um so off the bat you know mr perfect yeah um terry funk um um, Ray Stevens, what I can see, and that would kind of morph into like Nick Bockwinkle and stuff because I would find a lot of Nick Bockwinkle and Ray Stevens tag team. Uh, but it took me took me like seven, eight, nine years to even be able to hammer down that Terry Funk is my favorite wrestler. Right. Like people would ask, who's your favorite wrestler? Yeah. And for me, I just love everything about wrestling. I love the characteristics of what's happening in the ring the reactions of what's happening in the fans, the, the camera people, you know, like it's all one thing. So I really just love everything that in, really just entitles fucking pro wrestling, you know? And that's Terry Funk. It is. That's exactly. He does embody everything that is great. And I remember yeah, yeah. those way back with him and Flair. I always remember, um, a pile, I think it was a pile driver on a table. That's what comes yeah, to but- mind. Yeah, the I quit match. Yeah, you know? the I quit match. Table and break, for sure. Um, oh, it's just amazing. Just thinking about those videos just brings back so many memories. Because at that time, like kids, kids today don't get it. Because at that time, if you're going to the video store renting SummerSlam 1988, that's three mm-hmm. months after it's happened. Yep, it's it's three months after it's happened. So. You may know who won the matches, but you didn't see it. And you would still go watch it because it was that, uh, you were that invested. It was that entertaining. And and it was just the, um, not really the lack of content, right? Right. But uh, just the amount of stuff that was put out back then wasn't as heavy. Yeah. You know, you could find like, um, you know, at that point, 87 or 88, right. You could find an NWA tape also possibly or a pay-per-view or something, but it's, it's really kind of those two, you know what I mean? And unless you have friends that are in the tape trading, um, then you're getting like recorded episodes of maybe various territories and stuff, but just to the common, you know, kid, you're going down to the the local mom and pop shop, usually because blockbusters didn't have a lot of wrestling tapes, at least around me. Um, you know, you'd only get a few things. So for me, it was really like a WWF dominated thing because I would only rent all the uh, the big fours, right? Yep. SummerSlam, Survivor Series, WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble. Rumble. Yep. Uh, I'd get a King of Ring tape every now and again, but then they'd release compilations. So those super tapes were really like, well, like the, all the vignettes they would do with the Bushwhacker. Oh, I was <laughs> deathly afraid of The Undertaker as a young one. Oh, man. He was a zombie. He was the first zombie. He was a dead man. He scared the crap out of me, man. Oh, 
I wouldn't rent a tape if it had the Undertaker on it. So I was really like my selections were very thin. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah, I. So, you embody an old school feel. At least that's what I get when I see you. And you said that it's. Well, we kind of both said it's it's a lost art these days. Like I think there's maybe a select few people that can pull off. Mm-hmm. And I don't even say pull off. I say that embrace it and embody it. Why do you think that is in today's wrestling? Like it's not widely accepted. It's the evolution, honestly, you know, Um, just the, the mechanics of, of working old school is a uh, far and few. I think it it really, it's kind of a lot of things, you know, Um, nobody really cares anymore. That's true. Which is kind of, which is kind of funny. Like, no one really wants to hammer in on the believability. You know, you, you got to suspend disbelief. Got to let yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we'll do that a little bit. And because fans want to do that too. They want to, they know it's fake. Yeah. They knew it was fake back in 1987, Right. but they wanted to believe and they want it. So people still come, but then it's still on the performer to keep the credibility or the believability, you know, and we're not really getting that a lot of the time. And that kind of goes back to what I said. It's the evolution where you know um only so many people have made it to the top yeah you know what i mean and only so many of them people have came back down to help teach and there's a good amount too lots of quality schools but then all those local job guys or those uh 40 mile vets as we call them you know they've been hanging around those areas for all those times and although they've never made it they've wrestled for 15 20 years so they think that they deserve to open up a school or right. something, you know, and I, I don't fault them, you know, because there's been a lot of guys that I know that have been really local guys and haven't broke out or even done anything on a major level, but have a great mind for wrestling. Right. But through those kind of things, cause then the generation will teach a kid and then that kid will come and then they will teach more. So it's like, through the years and the generations, a lot of things have gotten lost yeah. where it either becomes to uh, psychology or just, you know, um, little things that are even believability when it comes to like shooting someone off the rope or, you know, X, Y, and Z, like right. stuff like that. It's more focused on um, spots, you yeah. know. What school did you learn the uh, running the ropes? I initially broke in um, with just a local guy kind of around okay. um, and it was called devil mountain wrestling. And the trainer was Alexis Derevko. Okay. And he'd done a few things kind of in and out through his career. He was kind of connected with the Samoans and uh, Buzz Sawyer was around, you know, so he had like some inklings and stuff and he showed me around. And then uh, I started to train with Roland Alexander at the all pro wrestling uh, boot camp garage until his untimely passing. Mm. And then I was training under uh, Ezekiel Jackson for the last few years, uh, basically kind of until we went into quarantine and the life and the world shut down. And uh, <clears throat> well, we'll talk about that because things definitely change as far as obviously we all know, you know, wrestling basically in front of nobody. But I also think there were some positives out of it. I, I think 100%. UWN, I think NWA, I think the TV product that, you're UWN television champion. And Probably. right, yeah, United Wrestling Network, UWN. I said that. You are still that champion, correct? Hell yes. That's awesome. Um, and I, I just think like people like that, I know they started off continuing to have things and then uh Marquez wanted to be extra safe, extra cautious. Uh good job out of him, you know, it went down. Mm-hmm. But there definitely was some positives that came out of the no fans. Um did you did you wrestle in front of no fans? Oh yeah. Okay. And I've, I've done it in a few different ways. Okay. You know, because those, uh, those primetime live tapings were live. Yep. yep. So, uh, no fans, but the camera was live, you know? And, right. So there's uh, fans somewhere seeing you in, in real time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. And then we've done tapings for the TV show, which were same thing, but cameras weren't live. So they could edit and do whatever they wanted to do. Right. Um, that UWN in primetime live, uh, that's all Marquez. This is the gist I get from it. It's all Marquez, you, uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood, which 
where I first discovered a lot of people, especially David Marquez, mm-hmm. and that branched out. I didn't realize how many championship wrestlings from I didn't realize yeah. how many there were. Um, yeah, yeah, and that that's I, great. Go ahead. Uh, it's it's really interesting how that kind of happened for Dave. You know, yeah. Dave's been. Dave's been around for such a long time and he's um, gained many en- enemies and <laughs> helped produce a lot of talent, you know, and uh, I, I, I've seen a lot go through his fingers, you know, and even just from my time within the United Wrestling Network, you know, uh, me and my former tag partner, Buddy Royal, were tag team there for many years. Classic before. connection. Yeah, yeah, we split, you know, <laughs> and um, so like I've really enjoyed what I've what I've done there too because I, I'm – I'm truly a TV wrestler. And it, it, again, it took a little bit of time to realize that because there really is uh, two different styles, you know, yep. and especially in today's generation as to where back when uh, TV wrestlers would do house shows and spot shows all around, but they would still work to get the TV to draw to those, you know, nowadays it's like you work TV, you work indie, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I like to consider some indies kind of a hard cam generation because they were, there's just one camera as compared to when you're working on TV, you got, you know, six or seven and you're, you're working for all of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I've really intensified myself down there at Hollywood and really kind of brought my style and my TV style. And, it, and I've seen it firsthand. Um, the way they teach you at championship wrestling from Hollywood. And even like we bring it up, I'm part, I'm a co-host of the San Francisco version of the championship wrestling, West Coast, um, wrestling, Memphis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. West Coast Pro Wrestling is another great company that's really on the up up here. You know, I got a hand in it too with uh with the owner and we're really trying to help bring the new evolution, right? But we're trying to figure out is it gonna relate to, to TV or is it gonna be more of a live show experience, you know? Um for me though, I loved I loved the pandemic personally okay. because it gave me a chance to reset and doing that at United Wrestling Network uh, has been a big help because now, truthfully, I really feel that when I get to go in front of a, uh, an actual crowd again, um, my keys have been sharpened oh. and I'm going to be able to manipulate their minds a lot more because I've been manipulating zero minds. Right. You know? you, you've been doing it through the through that multiple cameras, multiple camera angles. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and you're right. A lot of indie shows, and there's a lot of great ones that do have multiple cameras, but for the most part, it's one camera, like on the ring, uh, the hard cam, and that's it. And it might go three something hours. And you you know you get the hard cam, yeah. but then the the entrance music is playing, and there's no camera on the entrance or anything. <laughs> see him and coming. the music's playing. You feel the crowd looking at everywhere, and then here comes the wrestler, like slowly coming into the yeah. shot. You know, and it's like, like a video game. That's really how it was for a lot. And yeah. it was a lot of those CCW and Ring of Honor shows from the early two thousands. Uh, and then, you know, they kind of got a roaming cam with it and, you know, it, and that's cool. Yeah. I don't, I'm not trying to knock that at all, but it's just a different style. And it's really a style that's kind of evolved and it's really in a class of its own in the modern generation. Yeah. So interesting. I don't think I ever thought about it until we went through this. I mean, I knew there was TV tapings. I mean, I knew there were TV shows like the NWA, uh, you know, UW. I knew there was, but then I didn't realize how people can actually take advantage of it to, like you said, manipulate the millions and millions of fans. And dude, these are the same, these are the same setups that you're going to find at any major promotion for a fact. WWE has the same model. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just on a grander scale for fact. AEW has the same model just on a bigger scale. And I've seen these with my own eyes, you know, um, it, it's it's incredible to think of it like that because a lot of people really kind of brush it off because they hear that you know you may not get the the biggest thing or like Dave Marquez exposure bucks you know it's like right. you got to eat crow sometimes you got to play the game to get what you want and I think that the lessons that you'll learn from working TV especially through the United Wrestling Network are invaluable priceless um you mentioned AEW you had a you had a match on Dark, I think. Yeah, it was Dark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I two. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, you know, how did it come about? What, what was your biggest – what resonated the most from that experience? 
Um, I can't. I, I just got booked through them. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the local promoters reached out for me, and uh, QT Marshall gave me an email, uh, seeing if I wanted to come out and be an extra on Dark, uh, which 100. percent Why yeah, wouldn't why you? Not? Especially yeah. during the pandemic, you know. Yeah. Um, I was on a big kick going into the pandemic. I, I had the tagline "Always be ready," right? And uh, I fell off a little bit personally due to the quarantine. Yeah. You know, gyms closed in California. Yeah. I tried my best to stay on, but you know, I didn't go in as ready as I would have liked, but uh, it was a great experience overall because it got to see uh, the alternative and it really is a true alternative to uh, what you'll see at WWE. And that's like the in-ring product and even just in the backstage, you know? Yeah, that's what I've Uh, heard. Tony Khan takes care of those guys. Uh, He makes sure that they're, they're fed, you know, transportation is, is, is great. Um, to feed them basically all day even after the tapings there's yeah, there's catering you know yeah uh so that's really cool and then everyone was there was no eggshells to walk on it's like what you hear with wwe um and i don't know if wwe is different outside of being an extra because that's all i've really been there you know okay um i'm sure if you're under a contract you maybe have a little bit more of the eggshell kind of feel um but you know uh people were cool I knew a good handful of guys at AEW, so I didn't feel like a total um, outcast as I do sometimes as, as I am at WWE, you know? Yeah. Um, and just like the uh, the experience of getting to see a brand new company in its fruition. You know, it's been around yeah. for about a year or so. But it's a nice but shiny it, new toy. Yo, yeah, it's, it's still crafting. You know, I saw some kinks and stuff like that. Uh, but they're still figuring out what works for them in, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, too, nonetheless, you know? Oh, definitely. That was one of the only matches I didn't get to see uh, in my prep because I was so busy today. My daughter had a softball game. I literally just came from her softball game down here, hit go live, and and boom, there he is. Yeah. So uh-huh. uh, I, I will go back and watch that, though. But let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your character – and your UWN TV champ, which we already said for, I think it's like almost 300 days now, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been close to it. A, AP, are you still the APW uh, worldwide internet champion? Yes, I am. Uh, APW hasn't really done much of a show in the last year or so, but I am still, but you're still that, that champion. You'll be the last, if it goes down, you're the last one best champ to have. Hey, that's an illustrious belt too, you know. Who's who has held that thing? Um, I also learned today that you are a person we had on this show when it first started. It was like maybe the second guest ever, Brian Zane, uh, oh, um, yes. former wrestling with regret champion, uh, very yes. prestigious title as well. That is, you're two time. I am. The, I was the uh, two time, the two first time. ever as well. Yeah. Oh, you were the first one. First ever. First that, time. Uh, yeah. Me and Brian Zane go way back. He was yes, uh, a manager. One of my first, one of my first managers. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm his booby. <laughs> uh, he is a great guy, great human being. You have Brian Zane uh, as a manager. Um, oh gosh, the guy's name Price in Howdy. Howdy, thank you, Howdy, Howdy Price. And I think, I think this is one of my favorite parts of Timeless. My favorite part of your character is your manager because it does bring me back to a time that's not around anymore. We don't have these type of things. Uh, What's your thought of managers, their role, and uh, how it enhances you as a persona in getting over? Yeah. um, Howdy's great. You know, I've had a, I've had an illustrious list of managers over the years uh, and I've molded and gelled with a lot of them, but standing next to Howdy Price is uh, it's just like, uh, you know, as they said in the movie Big Daddy, it's like lamb and tuna fish, you know. <laughs> um, so I, it, it's it's great, and you know, it kind of goes back to what we were saying before. Like everything I do is throwback, right? And I think that's even at times hindered me in the world, honestly, because. People will look at me like, oh, um, he doesn't work this work rate, you know, or he doesn't 
go all out and do these crazy banana spots and stuff like that. And when I'd rather really try to execute on throwing a punch that looks credible really, yeah, and really. working in heat and gimmicks, you know, I mean, the glove has really been a, a whole thing for me because when I started to do the character, initially what happened was I broke my arm. Right? Okay. And the gimmick is that the tendons in my arm healed and the tendons healed super tight. Which gave me an impeccable. You're grip. like you're like um, oh rookie uh, of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's uh, why. That's, that's, that's why where I got it, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that that was what we all played with because I broke the arm. I wore the cast for like a year, and then after that, you know, we did some vignettes and stuff to where I finally debuted the glove, oh. and it's been ever long since then, you know. Um. And people don't do that stuff. No, you know that's a storyline. Yeah, and the, I, I've got my character has literally been um, five plus years of just deep story, and it's rooted within breaking my arm. It's rooted within my tag, and it's rooted even within breaking up with my tag partner and having a feud on the way out. You know, it's yeah. I've kept true to a lot of that, and I've really never, you know, I've never truly turned babyface. I've always been a heel for some time, and it's because I've wanted to commit to my character oh. and commit to staying true to professional wrestling. I'm not going to be a, a baby face here and 10 miles down the road, go be a heel and do something completely different, you know? And this is what excites me, you know? So this is where I'm going to be and stuff like um, loading the, loading the glove and, you know, even just catching the glaw, yeah. having the manager helps accentuate all that. You know, it helps tell the story. It helps bring in that folklore of uh, two people against one. You know, yeah. we got um, we got a lot of uh, longtime viewers of this show that if they're here now listening to you, they're they're going. This is everything I love. There's one guy loves loves old school wrestling. Loves wishes it was more like it used to be. And if he's here oh, now, yeah. listen to it. He's having a ball. I want to talk about the claw. We had uh, the Von Erichs on here, uh, Marshall and awesome. Ross, and they were telling us about the claw that some people have just the perfect head for the claw. Like it depends on your head. <laughs> and they were telling us uh, Filthy Tom Lawler has a perfect head for the claw. Okay. Um, do you find that same experience that some people have better heads than others? Uh, yeah, totally. hundred percent. You know, it's something yeah. that I've never really like thought about. Uh, well, I've definitely thought about okay. it. Okay. But I've never like, hey, you know, uh, John's got a great head for the claw. You know, uh, it's just always been something where like, God, this guy's got kind of a weird, awkward head. Like, and I'm in the ring thinking this too. Like, let me get it on. You know, oh, it's kind of awkward. Or, oh yeah, it fits perfectly on here. You know, yeah. um, my 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 old tag partner, Buddy Royal, had a great head to, to claw because once I'd get it in, he'd flail all over the place, but it would stick because just I don't know something about his temples. <laughs> it just allowed me to get a good grip on it, you know? Uh, and, oh, so the cast. You were talking about your cast and how it led into the glove, you know, with your tendons and all that. Did you ever wrestle with the cast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did oh. it for many months. It's like Bob Horton. actually. Yeah. Uh, and, and, again, right, just another throwback to yeah. something that's not around anymore. You know, it's always what I've been thinking about. Um, I have a box of those casts, you know, Um when I broke it, I didn't need an actual full hard cast. Okay. I had a soft cast, which was basically like a cast um, mold yep. that I, I wrapped up in ace bandage. Yeah. Um, so when I was finally done with them, I took like three of them and I cut them up and made gimmicks with them. And then I wrapped them with something that looked like hard plaster yeah. to uh, be able to work with it, you know? And oh, yeah, dude. That's great. Like uh, Smaz guys within stuff, the yeah. the referee would give me all the heat with it. You know, they'd be checking it through the match. Yeah. The, the people would uh, I I I hid something in it one time, and I I brought it out and I like got the guy with it. <laughs> just and then heal like, shit. Oh, where is it? Yeah, dude, just um, all the shit that's gonna get you mad. Yeah, you're not gonna get mad if I do a fucking backflip off no. the top ropes. No, you know you're not. And plus, um, there's gonna be seven other kids doing that. Yeah. You know, You'll, yeah. Uh, you won't stand I've out. Always had the, I've always had the saying that I'm going to get the same reaction with this punch than anything you do off the top rope. 
plain and simple. And I really try to keep that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm really trying my best to break out on this independent world. You know, yeah. I'm trying my best to get signed to a major company. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy. And, and this is this is such a such a random thing. And not a lot of kids are going to say this or, or, or adults or anybody in the business. Probably. I would be happy to be a contracted carpenter. I would be more than happy to work on these wrestling shows every week, like Dolph Ziggler yeah. or any of these guys. And who cares about losing? Right. I'm getting, you know, I'm traveling the world. I'm going to these, I'm working for the top wrestling companies and I'm helping these other guys because obviously if they need to get in there with someone like me, like Arn Anderson back in the day, mm-hmm. working Arn would help you get the rub. Right. And even if Arn's losing, he's still the one that made you look good. That's right. And people don't realize that nowadays. I think yeah. people don't realize like, wow, that kid's really good. Well, maybe the guy in the ring is the one that's helping him look that good because he's the one putting him himself in place for these spots or these aerial maneuvers as compared to if they weren't with someone like that, they would do all the same aerial maneuvers, but it wouldn't be in the right place. It wouldn't be at the right time and it wouldn't be with any reason. It would just be like, okay, now it's time for the body slam and I'm going to go up and do the thing. But if you have no build up to it, it's literally just going to be like, okay, how cool. Oh, wow. No, no struggle. My my opinion. I, you said something in there that really, it it made me go, oh, wow. That's interesting because um, you said you get more out of your punch than somebody else doing a flip. And I thought to myself, he's right. Because in today's, my opinion, in today's wrestling, everybody is doing the the flips. I hate, I hate even saying the word flips. But everyone's that style now. And your style actually stands out because not as many people are doing it. Definitely. Where it was Definitely. maybe vice versa back in the day. Now it's coming back around. And and there is a lot more people doing the style, you yeah. know. I I will credit that. I'm not the sole one right. here. You know, I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Um, me and Buddy were actually tagging when the revival debuted on NXT, and we literally had the same look. <laughs> they had the satin jackets. We had satin yeah. jackets. There was at one point where um, one of them did have yeah. a glove. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and dude, people were texting me like, "Are they shooting on you?" Mm. It's like, dude, I, I doubt it. You know, they don't know who I am. They might like right. people watch Hollywood. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Adam Pierce is a former wrestler on Hollywood. One degree separation away from yeah. WWE producer. Yep. So eyes are on the product. But come on, man. Nobody. They're not stealing. I hate when indie guys do that. They see something on AEW or WWE. Like they stole that from me. Like, <laughs> No one stole that from you, okay? You have an idea, they have an idea. And it just happened to be the same idea. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there was a time when everybody was wearing those satin jackets. And that's the whole reason I came up with the gimmick. <laughs> right, exactly. The whole reason. It was a whole era. And and now everything's clicking with me. So the classic connection with your, your tag team partner, uh, Bud, who I, sorry, I can't remember his last name. Yeah, no, Bud Royal. Buddy Bud, Royal. Buddy Royal. Was Brian Zane your guy's manager? He was. Okay. He was actually. Because yeah. now I remember seeing stuff with with Brian when I was had Brian on and researching. I remember seeing the name Classic Connection. Okay. So you yeah. were in a yeah. tag team before you broke off and went singles. Um, how do you feel being in that tag team for five plus years shaped who you are as a singles guy now um, and, and how all that came to be? Yeah. Um, well, at the time, the New Japan expansion uh, was kind of hitting America, you know, yeah. and the L.A. Dojo was starting up. Um, so Bud wanted to do the tryout at the L.A. Dojo. And I told him 100 percent. Why not? You know, you're a stud. You that, like that's exactly the wrestling that they're looking for, because Buddy was a great shooter, man. Yeah. Um, we, we wrestled like twice like while we were tag teaming and one of them was at this kind of uh, more um, kind of like a UFC kind of style, like win loss matter kind of thing. Um, very technical. Okay. Uh, and we had a straight grapple match and Oh my God, dude, he, he twisted me up like a, 
like a, a shoelace, you know, he, he, cause he was a great amateur wrestler. So he did that and he actually ended up getting chosen as that first class of young lions nice. in the new Japan dojo, um, which made him move into the house and sign a contract and stuff. So we had to split and it was on the um, basis of, we wanted to, you know, yeah. and we had a whole thing where, I turned on him at um, with Brian, and that's kind of how the YouTube title came about. Classic heel shit. Heels doing heel yeah, shit. Yeah, I hit him with the chair. You know, I mean, it was great, dude. This was the. Oh, the I, I wish I can just bring that emotion back. We we lost the match. We lost our tag titles. Me and Buddy are pushing each other in the ring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. Brian gets in front of us. Goes, guys, guys, chill out. It's okay. You're brothers. You know, you're brothers. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. Brian gets in the middle of us, raises both of our hands, right? Bud's on this side, I'm on this side. And Brian puts him down and turns around to go to the back to, like, cheer to the fans. And right as he puts our hand down, I reach across and just get Buddy, lays him out. (laughs) And I'm standing there. I was like, we got to let that again, right? You got to let, you got to let moments resonate. Soak it in. Too many people. Yeah, would hit and then yeah, look around. No, dude, I punched him, and I just stood there, and then I just stood there and looked at him, and the crowd, like silence for like ten seconds, silence, pure like pin drops. Oh, I felt I, I was such a good thing, and then they started booing. Oh no, how could you do this? What the? Brian brings in the chair. No, what are you doing? And again, just. Letting it all sit. I'm not waving the chair around. I'm not yeah. hitting it on anything. I just got the chair and my eyes are locked on Buddy. And he's selling up. And then whap with the chair and then dead silence again. And too many people would be afraid to get that. Yeah. Too many people nowadays, if they're working and they hear silence, they're like, oh, I got to do something to have them make some noise. Yeah. But really what it was is that we, we got the crowd yeah. and they were emotion. At a hundred percent, you know, and oh, that was one of one of one of my proudest moments in my career for sure. Just, uh, but so you know, yeah. so we broke up, and yeah. then Brian presented the YouTube title, and then um, it really kind of gave me the gusto that I, um, Bud was on his path, and I, I needed to create a path for myself, and I really wanted to get back in with Hollywood and stuff because you know we got written off because the tag team was gone, so Bud was doing his thing, so we weren't on TV in Hollywood for a while. And that's when I really was like, okay, got to get in shape. got to lose all this weight. Got to get ready for this title run that I may have. And really, you know, like I want to be a top dog in my territory and nationwide almost. Wow. That just hearing you explain that turn just gives me goosebumps. Just hearing it. It just sounded great. (laughs) yeah, there's a, there's a video of it on Brian Zane's YouTube. Yeah, if you want to try to back search it, wrestling with regret on YouTube. I think it's YouTube.com slash wrestling with regret. Oh, I should have worn one of his shirts, man. I didn't think about it. Um, it kicks in. Yeah, I do. That's my favorite. I got I got the <laughs> WW one, the WWW that looks like NWO, but I definitely got Dick Kick City. And here's a funny story behind that because first of all, I can't wear it anymore around my kids because they can read now. Um, but <laughs> we were getting ready for the show. Now, Brian had already been on this show, and we were going to have Dave LaGreca from Busted Open on. Oh, cool. And I love, I love Busted Open. And me too. Huge fan. I, lo- I listen almost every day. Every day that I can, I listen. Um, so I, I DM Brian and say, look, I, I'm trying to make a graphic for the show, and I want it to say putting you over, and I want it to say Dave LaGreca, whatever the date is, nine o'clock, whatever, a little graphic like that. And I said, I want to use the picture of the wrestler giving the guy the dick kick. Cause I love this. So I wanted, <laughs> I wanted dick kick. And then I just wanted to say, put you over. And I asked him and he was all about it. He's like, use it. I made the graphic. It looked great. And, uh, LaGreca had to cancel. Cause back then before COVID, uh, and Dave's been on the show since then, he's been on like three times, but since then, uh, back or back then, he he didn't know how to operate anything tech, technology. He's like, can you call me on the phone? I'm like, no, Dave. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a radio DJ, so a lot of this stuff was probably <laughs> yeah. super new to him. So back then, he didn't know anything, but we ended up ironing it out, and and he's been on since then. Um, in in date or not, Dave Bully Ray on Busted Open a couple of days ago said something. Also makes me think 
um, because you just mentioned something about heels. People are afraid for that silence. Bully said that he thinks um, heels today are maybe afraid to do what it... I know I'm probably not quoting him correctly, but um, people today are, are afraid to do what it takes to be a real true natural to get heel. real yeah, yeah to, to get real heat yeah you, you can't you can't get real heat yeah. anymore if you get real heat you know let's say you punk a little kid and make him yeah. start crying yeah. even worse let's say you punk the dad yeah. or the mom <laughs> yeah then they're gonna go to the the company and they're gonna be like oh well he i didn't feel comfortable at this show yeah. and then they're gonna get online and start tweeting that um, blah 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 blah, and it's going to make the company look bad, yeah. and not in the way that you want heat, you right. know, because normally you want them to go there and be like, "Oh my god, I hate that guy." But <laughs> exactly. and nowadays they're not going to pay for a ticket to come back. That's the thing, you know. Back back when they bought a ticket to see the guy get his ass kicked. That's right. I hate that Levi Shapiro. I'm going to see him get his ass kicked by uh, Will Hobbs or something. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, it's not how it works anymore. And it sucks, man. It does it suck. Sucks. It does. Because I can specifically remember buying pay-per-views back in the day just to see my favorite wrestler punch the wrestler I hate in the face. Yeah. Multiple yeah. This guy right here, I probably paid money several times when he was a heel, you know, to someone oh. just fucking knock his clock right off. God, yeah, he was so good. Yeah. He was so good. Did you see the A and E documentary they did on him? I have not, not, not Piper's oh. yet. I watched half yeah. of Randy Savage's and got upset halfway through it. Turned it off. Um, I haven't seen Piper's yet. But, Randy Randy Savage's was the worst one of the yeah. bunch, in my opinion. Yeah, I turned it off halfway through. I got upset. <laughs> I got upset. It was. A, they, they say it was a hit piece. That's that's the that's the word on the street, I guess. Um, is kayfabe dead? Um, that's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, yes, in some regards and no in others. All right. Uh, overall, if I can only give you one question or one answer, yeah, I'd say no See, because yeah, go ahead. it's evolved. It's evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel in my opinion, kayfabe is, is, is as a, as a live as I want it to be. So if I want it exactly. to be alive, then I can, it all, I can, I can not look into things or I can suspend my disbelief, which we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be the new question I ask people. It's kayfabe dead. And, and, and it's, it just depends, right? Because yeah. um, yes, everyone knows it's fake, right? So in that aspect, um, the kayfabe of knowing um, is wrestling real or fake, that's, yeah, that's gone, right? Yep. But, um, you know, I think I'm trying to think of a good example, but it's like, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like the Young Bucks and Jim Cornette, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jim Cornette is, is kayfabe master and he's keeping up this gag and making money off of all these people hating all, all these things that he says. Everything that you comes out of mean? his mouth, they hate. Because why? They hate. Because he's Jim they Cornette. Hate Just because. Just cause, and you can have a four-hour podcast where he will drop three and a half hours of solid gold pro wrestling nuggets. But if he says anything in those fifteen seconds, right. null and void, yeah. null and void. And so, yeah, it's it's however it's perceived because, um, on the core, everything is exposed. But that doesn't mean that I still can't kayfabe you or I still can't kayfabe the fans. Oh, for sure. For you sure. Know? Um, but I, it'd be dumb. It'd be it'd be stupid of me to try to sit here and be heel Levi Shapiro and try to persuade you that that's really me um, in the modern era. Because that is that's that's almost what's hindered me, I felt. Because I tried that in the first few years of my career. And people just thought I was an asshole, <laughs> you know, and it got me nowhere. Um, what you said, I, I listened to, I, I suck at this. I listen, I prepare for people and I listen to other podcasts they're on and, and okay. try to get notes. And then I get a nice question or something that I got from a podcast. And I never remember the name of the podcast I got it from. 
and I feel bad because I'm not showing them some love, but you mentioned something in another podcast. You said the curse of Luthez. I don't know what that means. I'm trying to remember that. Uh, you were talking about, Luthes. okay. You were mentioned. Sometimes I ramble. So sometimes <laughs> I'll, I'll get on these things. And I'll just go off like a shotgun. All right. Uh, Well, it it came up when you, I I don't know. There was talk about territories and uh, wrestling territories back in the day. And you just threw it. You might've just been throwing it out there. And I'm like the curse of Luthez. I never heard the curse of Luthez. And I, I write, I literally type it down. What is the curse of Luthez? So uh, who knows? Maybe you were just rambling. I really think that might have been it, I, but I, I'm now you got me wondering what where I was going with it. I wish see that I got to take better notes for myself because I don't know what podcast that was from, and I it might it might have been from the indie handshake that was one that I did pretty recently that was in my YouTube and video wise and stuff. Wow. Um, or NorCal wrestling. I I've been trying to do a lot more of these things too. So I get my face and my name and and my uh, my thoughts out there. You're, you've got, got some so great I've, thought. You got some phenomenal dude, I've got, thoughts. I've got a mountain of these things, man. You know, and I I talk to a lot of guys and I talk to wrestlers and they're like, "Wow, you've got a pretty good mind." Yeah. Like, why why don't you do this or that? And like, you know, it's tough for me to reach out to certain places. And I guess maybe that's just the old school factor. You know, like. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, before he passed, would tell people that want to get into the wrestling business um, that they should buy a gun and, sh- and shoot themselves. And that was his, that was his advice. Of course. On, on getting into the wrestling business yeah. in the modern era. Oh. And, you know, and so it's like a lot of what I really wanted it to be, I think it is. And that's probably for the better, right? Because wrestling business was really horrible back then. Yeah. Um, But I feel like I was just kind of born a little too late. And I don't know if the wrestling business of today um, is the ideal, right? But I'm still here and I'm still trying to compete in it. And I'm trying to make it my own. I'm trying to do uh, what I want and to make me happy instead of just trying to follow the norm to gain Twitter clout, to gain um, something, you know, I, yeah. I just want to be, want to be authentic. I, I think authentic is the right word. And I think th- there is, there is a calling for wrestlers like you with minds like yours. Um, and, and I feel, I mean, I enjoy it. people like you, people like, uh, well, we talked about FTR earlier, uh, Silas Young, in ring of honor same type of type of cat you know uh there are those for sure yeah i I like silas and he's you know the last man in professional right like i love that gimmick and everything you know and there's a lot of people that have the ideals still that just know how to execute them in a different manner you know i think hunter johnson delirious okay uh is a really smart old school mind but knows how to kind of um, translate that to the, into the, a this high spot. Yeah, high spot era. One of my children is coming down here. What do you need? Uh oh. Good night. Love you. Good night. Good night. You want to say good night to the guest? Sure. Say you will say it louder. Say good night. Good night. Bye. Au revoir. <laughs> wait, wait till. Uh... But yeah. So I mean. I, I, I love the vibe I get from you. In preparing for you, hearing you talk, watching the matches I did. Uh, you know, I love it. I love the fact that you're you're so passionate about this. That you like you said you've been doing it for 5 plus years and and it's it it comes through. It comes through the screen. Yeah. I hope people can I mean I've, I've, I've wrestled for 11 years, you yeah. know, and um one of the real things that kind of got me early on was like, I was like, Oh, I'm old school. But I mean, you'd see pictures of me, dude. I was wearing these baby blue pants, these hand-me-down boots, this huge bushy beard, like none of it was co you know, coherent. And right. uh, uh, Mustafa Saeed is actually a local guy. And uh, me and my old, old tag partner, uh, we were working them and working him and his partner Sal Tomaselli in a tag match. And uh, he'd come back and he's like, kid, none of that was old school. 
Like, you, you think you're old school? You know who Swede Hansen is? You know who Rip Hawk is? And I'm like, no, man, I have no idea who these guys are. And he's like, listen here, you want to be old school? Go, go ahead and watch any wrestling before January 1984. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. I go, why, why January 1984? And he's like, well, that's the, that's the month that uh, Hulkamania started and the whole business changed. And although the style didn't change much, you know, from the 85 to 95, even I'd say, yeah. you know, early 90s, yeah, um, things did change. The storytelling changed because it was more of the show for Vince yeah. rather than the storytelling in the ring or even just the way that TV was done is a different way than TV was done for Vince in the 80s and beyond, you know? Yeah. So that was a big thing that really jump-started me also into finding a lot of those old um, territory, um, you know, 60s, 70s style wrestling. A big thing for me was um, Torrance. Yeah, Bit Torrance. I heard you say that, yeah. Bit Torrance. And um, some illegal, I'll say that. I am a pirate of the internet. It is my millennial duty. Uh, But there's a few wrestling torrent websites that are um it's basically tape trading of the modern yes that's exactly you know? what it is too because there'd yeah. be uh they'd pile they'd compile them all into a nice little zip folder yeah and and this specific website they have like a share ratio mm. so you can't just sign on and download a whole bunch of stuff and, leave, and just yeah. leech it and run yeah you had to share it back so you would seed it and people would download it so going through that i found a lot of really cool stuff and um that's really when I kind of got introduced to like seventies all Japan, nice. you know, yeah. um, the destroyer is phenomenal. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers behind Terry Funk. And that was kind of when I researched a lot of that older stuff that I really got into it. And um, what is it? The 1975 or the 77 all Japan world open. Uh, was a tournament that I downloaded. It was a four disc set and it was, uh, it was like 20 matches. Right. And it's a who's who, man. It's like um, Dusty Rhodes, Dick Murdoch, Abdullah, the butcher, Harley race, both the funks, the destroyer, Don Leo, Jonathan, killer, Carl Cox. um, And many others. Right. And a lot of those guys are probably people that not a lot of guys have heard about. And a lot of those guys are what influenced the generation that I grew up watching. Cause that's the, uh, that's the evolve that really happened was that, okay. I love Macho Man. I love Kurt Henning. I love Shawn Michaels who inspired them, exactly. who inspired Ric Flair. You know, yeah. those are the guys that I need to learn now. And those are the guys that I almost want to help idolize because everyone knows the people of the nineties and the uh, modern day golden era, but nobody's really, nobody knows Sputnik Monroe, you know, nobody knows the destroyer. And these are the guys that are instrumental at making wrestling what it is, you know, Um, Sputnik Monroe is the wrestler that helped desegregate Memphis, you know, uh, before like Elvis and all that. It's a huge thing. And a huge piece of history that I don't want um, to be washed underneath the rug. Yeah, it could be lost, you know. So that's really where a lot of the inspiration is coming from nowadays is to help educate. Yeah, I don't don't even know. You said Sputnik. I had no idea. So now I'm going to go and I'm going to learn about it. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Uh, Someone in the chat, the guy I was talking about earlier that I said would would, would love you. uh, He says the Crockett promotion never changed. That could be true. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, for um, sure. I don't know. I don't know the exact like intro, like when Crockett's were coming out, right? Because they took over. Um, what was it like? Uh, Georgia, the Carolinas, and stuff like that. Um, but through the whole uh, advent of TV and stuff, not like the they stayed solid with what their booking thing was, and really only when they uh, sold it off to what was it Turner? Yeah. When they sold the Turner is when everything went to shit. You know, they put <laughs> the Jim Cornette likes to refer. They put the pizza man in charge. 
that what you said about Cornette is is exact. The guy's been living the gimmick. He's been keeping it kayfabe for years. I I really want to meet him, right? So that I can just see how much of a gimmick it really is. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure it's really just him. You know, I mean, like. I'll probably catch tons of heat saying that I listen to the podcast. You know what I mean? Right. But it's true, man. Jim Cornette drops these magnificent golden nuggets of knowledge in his podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you can just sit there and sift through all the other bullshit, you'll get these amazing psychology nuggets or like the other week, he, he, he literally laid out how to format an entire wrestling show from beginning to end. You know, and that's invaluable. Yeah. Like that's that's things that I could take and I could apply to my friends at West Coast Pro Wrestling. And now we're doing a television show. Boom. Just like that. Boom. Exactly. Um wow. I feel like we could go forever, but uh we will wrap it up. We'll leave the door open for you to come back. But first I I would like to know, uh what do you got coming up? Because we did talk about UWN um do do we got shows coming up? Are you going to be in the ring somewhere soon? Yeah, actually, uh, California is just starting to open up fully. I believe uh, five days, the 15th, uh, our mandate is completely uh, lifted. Okay. So um, I am going back down to Hollywood in the next week or two to do another round of tapings, nice. which should be uh, wonderful. And then Best of the West is a promotion out here based in the Central Valley, Fresno area. Uh, I'm booked on their first show back. It's called Only Slams. Um, (laughs) I feel that's a very appropriate name for a show coming out of the quarantine. Only Slams. I like that. Yeah, Best of the West, Only Slams. That's June 26th uh, down in Fresno. Um, And then... I've got some stuff in the works, but nothing's officially announced. I know that um, West Coast Pro Wrestling, we're working on a show. It's been announced. I haven't been announced for a match or anything yet. And then uh, Championship Wrestling from Atlanta. From Atlanta. Is another one of Dave's uh, subsidiary territorial-based promotions that is uh, is actually, he told me that he's hoping that's going to be on the same level as uh primetime live interesting and i just got word that it's going to be taped at center stage Ooh. in atlanta and Ooh. so um that's going to be cool um I've, I've wrestled the cow palace twice yep. so getting to a wrestle at center stage is going to be another one cross off the bucket list um but yeah you know um i've got social media i'm at levi shapiro across all social medias you know instagram or twitter um, I've got a Twitch channel too. Yep. If people want to give me a follow. I do some pizza stuff. I'm a pizza aficionado. Ooh. So I do like at home pizza tips and I play some games or I watch wrestling and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I was going to touch uh, on your Twitch for sure. Yeah. We got that up. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, mainly, mainly Instagram and Twitter are the best ways. I, I, I have a Facebook, but I don't really do a lot of wrestling stuff on there. It's okay. kind of a little bit more personal. Yeah. Nobody uses uh, Facebook. But, yeah. yeah. At Levi Shapiro across the board. Come hang out with me, man, and let's talk some old school wrestling. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, a couple things. One, uh, since you said you're a pizza aficionado, uh, pineapple on pizza. I'll allow it. You'll allow I've it. Done, I've done kiwi on pizza. Before. I've heard that. I've heard people say that. Does the pineapple have to have ham or bacon? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Or just pineapple. <laughs> You know, I would say no, but it would enhance it. Okay. Um, and I what well, I said I had two questions. I forgot. One was a pineapple uh-huh. pizza one and I don't know. I don't remember the other one. But anyways, uh-huh. what we do at the end of every show, Levi, and you've been phenomenal. Like I feel like we could go the whole time, but I want I want you to come back. I want us to leave a lot of stuff on the table. But what Definitely. I do at the end of every show is I'm gonna give you the mic. The floor is yours. You can put over Anything you want, you can bury anything you want. You can say anything you want. I will not interrupt. The floor is yours. Well, you know, I've 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 wondered about this and I've wondered how far I should take everything, but I just want uh I want everyone to love wrestling. I want everyone to enjoy every kind of wrestling that they can. 
even if my style is uh, old school classic, it can, it can be deathmatch, it can be technical, it can be comedy, it can be whatever you want. Just enjoy wrestling because the beautiful the beautiful thing about today's era is that we have um, the accessibility to do whatever we want and we have the freedom to do whatever we want. So everybody, if you want to do something, just make sure that you do it in the most effort that you can put into it or else I will come and put the biggest carny claw on your head and crush your cranium. Awesome. Great stuff. That's, I guess, I guess that's it. Levi phenomenal. You've been a pleasure to have on. We've thrown our forbidden door out. So you can come back anytime you want to talk anything you want. Old school wrestling, uh, what you got coming up, uh, pizza. I don't care. You can come back anytime you've been, you've been, I mean, you could come as soon as you showed me that wallpaper behind you, you can come back anytime you want with that. Uh, uh, let's do it, brother. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Oh, I can't, I can't do Hogan impression with the headphones on. I don't know why. Mm. I just can't do it. Um, but yeah, we'll do impressions next show. We'll only do, we'll do the whole entire show with impressions. I only have macho man, but I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, great stuff. Well, Levi, you've been a pleasure. Uh, have a wonderful night. Thanks for, thanks for giving us your time tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for putting me over guys. I yeah. appreciate it. Have a good night. Later. Peace.